Good morning and welcome to episode 80 of Speech Therapy Murmurings, a speech therapy podcast by Chris Way Speech Therapist. So I recorded a like 20 minute podcast on Friday and the app that I use is Anchor and for some reason whenever you finish a podcast and you're in, a, in an area of poor reception which is 99% of the places I end up driving or, or working in, um, it doesn't save the podcast. Um, so I, I did all that work um, and I was good, I lost it um, and it was quite a good one. So I talked about my day um, and how um, so far that day I'd had a conversation with a independent therapist who'd been instructed by a local authority to provide a second opinion on assessment I'd carried out um, on, on, on two, two children because uh, he was going to a, 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 a go to tribunal. Um, I don't think the, I think the rest of the case could go to tribunal, but having spoken to the therapist, um, they reviewed my reports, um, they found them to be very helpful, um, the, the recommendations were reasonable, and this is coming from an, from an, an experienced therapist. Um, they carried out some further kind of um, kind of dynamic assessment around these two children and um, they've recommended um, to the local authority that my report is accepted in its entirety um, so fingers crossed um, that these um, these two children's parents um, won't have to go all the way to tribunal um, I know that there's a question around placement but at least on speech therapy so communication and interaction on section B, E and F of the ACP um, they, they should be able to um, come to um, kind of agreement that what I've written is reasonable um, that's what should be pointed into, into the EACP uh, so that was positive um, next thing I worked with a um, little one last Friday um, one that I've been monitoring for about two and a half years now um, it's a friend's, uh, friend's child and the NHS therapist um, sees them three times a week um, in, a, in a base that they're in um, I'm, my role is to kind of create a link between the base itself um, and the mainstream school that they're attending. So um, I, they've got a new teaching assistant at the moment. So I did some work with the teaching assistant on how to use the communication board. And I'm absolutely obsessed with the marble runs. I bought them a very, very amazing. Um, it's like a three-story marble run. It's a wooden one that I found on Amazon. Um, it's really, really easy to take apart, put back together. Um, it doesn't fall apart when you touch it. Like plastic ones tend to, unless you super glue them. So um, we did some did a really kind of nice 15-minute session on how to use a communication board. Uh, so that was more of a modelling therapy kind of training on how to expand the use of the communication board. Um, he was an ex-PEX user and didn't really enjoy using PEX. So that's, I've it's, it's an approach that I am using less and less and less now because of um, the, kind of the autistic community's voice. I'm listening to what they're saying around PEX and I'm, I'm, uh, it's something that I, I no longer recommend in terms of an approach that I'm uh, putting in place. If a child's using PEX, well, I will look at how functional it is for them. Um, I will look to transition them away if it's not going to be too kind of... Um, frustrating and challenging for that child at that point I'll look at the right window for doing so uh, when we're looking at wider alternative and augmentative communication and expecting and understanding that these children are competent communicators wearing competently and finding the right system for them 
and hitting every child with packs um, just isn't appropriate. So um, that was Friday. Uh, today I'm off to do two assessments, but I wanted to just kind of add to the um, or you know, comment on. I've had um, lots of direct messages in the last few days. People that have listened to the ACPC podcasts, um, which were the last two, I think, or within the last kind of week, um, and I've reflected about how. Um, for once, I was I got into trouble because I'd used a location when saying where I was going to do, a, to do an assessment, and a local authority claimed um, that because I'd said a location, that anybody would be able to identify which children I was going to assess. Um, the second point was how I was accused of bringing the professional into dispute because of my tweets, um, which can be um, somewhat critical of services. Um, Never, never breaking confidentiality, um, never giving too much information um, with regards to a service. Um, however, the um, again, there's no case to answer as found with ACPC about this. Um, so I've had a lot of supportive tweets about the, those two issues. Um, the third issue I'm going to talk about, which again was part of an overall complaint. Uh, it's all within the same complaint um, of two services. Um, who uh, coincidentally are two services that I go um, into tribunal against on a, on a very regular basis, or I would on a very regular basis. We're talking um, at least at least one per month um, in terms of tribunal, but multiple per month in terms of appeals. Um, the la- one of the other points that I was uh, that was, and this is the, more, the most serious point, and again, there's, uh, it was found there's no case to answer. Um, I was accused of lying. And telling the truth and being honest is one of the cornerstones of um, of HCPC standards. And this is one thing I think. Again, the reason I'm, t- I'm talking about this in a podcast is to allow others who listen to this podcast, um, who are clinicians or HCPC registers, just to be mindful and careful of what they put out on social media, whether that be in their personal or their business, or if they, like me, have a mixture of two, um, social media, um, the the accusation of being dishonest, um, if you are found to be dishonest, it is a serious, serious um, kind of, kind of um, I don't know what word it is, it's a serious, serious standard to break, I don't know the exact ethics standard or standard within HPC that it is, but um, it is serious. And this was the most serious one in terms of the, the complaint made against me and these two services. And the question around honesty was about, so I was involved in um, some tweets with some newly qualified therapists about 18 months ago. Um, and they were talking about how um, kind of um, the representation of people um, in terms of um, in terms of everything, in terms of kind of wider representation of people within the profession, um, and I'd put out a tweet that as a um, as a white male um, who's working class, um, but um, I still feel um, incredibly privileged for the position that I'm in. Um, I had risen up within healthcare trusts and local authorities um, very quickly. And I stand by the fact that I rose up very quickly. Um, I moved from band five to band six to band seven very, very quickly. Um, so that 
within two years of qualifying, I'm running and I founded a NHS. Um, it was an autism diagnostic intervention um, and training service uh, for NHS Islington. I did so with a consultant clinical psychologist and a consultant paediatrician as an equal member of that team. Um, and that was my role in December 2019 for about two and a half years. Um, I started work in September 2017. So this is a, it's a massive jump. Um, it was classed as a band seven role, but at the same time as setting this up, um, I set up a independent um, consultancy, um, whereas I were with the same consultant clinical psychologist, and on and off the same paediatricians that I was working with in the NHS, we set up a private service that worked um, separate to the NHS service that we founded, um, or the NHS team that we founded. And in that team, again, I was an equal partner. Um, it ran through three, two or three separate limited companies. So um, when someone paid the invoice, we all got paid exactly the same. Um, and it was kind of split from whoever was paid first, but that's the source, and then it was split across the two. And this is important because in the tweet, I talked about how um, within kind of two, two and a half years, and I don't know the, I don't know the exact tweet, um, I think I had to delete it. Um, within two, two and a half years, I had risen up um, within um, within speech therapy in terms of my um, position that I were in, um, which and I was working the working as a band eight therapist. So, as a band seven therapist in the NHS and as a band eight therapist within private practice, working exactly the same way, founding, um, working as a consultant speech therapist. Um, when we looked at the standards in terms of being able to use the label of consultant speech therapist, um, both I, the paediatrician, and the clinical psychologist, because we were very mindful and careful as to how we presented the service, um, we all agreed that in doing what I was doing, um, uh, that, the, that this warranted the label. Um, and again, it's, it doesn't make it's, it doesn't matter in terms of whether you refer to yourself um, as one or the other. Um, I mean, the the argument always we always not not an argument, but the house got great head. One of the amazing speech therapists used to present things to me was the speech therapist is specialist enough. Um, I don't need the title. I don't need a prefix before that title of speech therapist because I'm specialist enough. The clients I was working with and doing a lot of international work in order to get, um, not in order to get, but as part of getting contracts, the, um, they were looking for an equal level of expertise across the three professionals. As I had been recruited for in Islington um, NHS to be at that standard, the paediatrician and clinical psychologist uh, totally agreed that I met the same, I met the same standard within my profession. Um, I was ADOS trained, I was teach trained, I was ADI trained, um, I'd done a, a hell of a lot more kind of therapeutic training before that. Yes, I'd only qualified two years and three months before, but this was the point that my tweet was became a integral part against the complaint against me around whether I had told the truth. So the same clinicians that I was um, working with or working, I don't know, you can say against, I mean a tribunal, well, I mean, there's, there's two sides to a tribunal unfortunately, um, it's not adversarial, but 
Um, there are two sides to this tribunal. Um, the same therapist that I'm working against, in inverted commas, um, have in my report, my CVs in my report. So at the back of every one of my reports, I've got my kind of shortened version of my CV. And in my CV, I hadn't stated what I had just said. Um, I wrote out my band, um, my NHS banded rules, but I hadn't included or hadn't gone into enough detail in terms of my independent work. So their complaint to ACP against me was that I was being untruthful. Um, I was lying um, on the t- on this original tweet, which for me, this tweet was all about built um, kind of reflecting on my privilege as a white male speech therapist and how I had risen up quickly um, and how I still have um, opportunities um, kind of knocking at my door on a regular basis and how unfair that is. That was the whole point of the tweet. One point, one point of the tweet was that we, we need to, that if, in terms of, the, it's a vision in my mind that we, um, I need to encourage people to not think that they're capped at any at any area in terms of their banding and that um, people have the opportunity to rise within the profession and then move into, if they want, into management positions, into NHS management positions, whether local authority or setting up on their own, working internationally. And I talked about my career across a, 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 across several tweets, but the first tweet that was sent into HCPC is about my complaint, um, was then compared to my CV. And this was the most serious allegation that I had lied, and I hadn't lied, um, and it was found again no no case to answer. Um, and this and it, what really concerns me um, the the level of detail that the managers that I'm up against in, or the manager or the, the two managers that I'm up against, um, actually three. Um, across these two look um, these two areas of the UK um, had gone into so much detail going through my tweets and I have thousands of tweets um, to find errors or find issues so if you can imagine if you if you've written a tweet today and you have mistakenly said something um, which could be the silliest mistake but that could be construed as lying I've just you've got to be mindful that if you're in the same type of work that I do in terms of this kind of being head-to-head on a regular basis with services to fight for children to access speech nervous therapy uh, which again is mental in itself then underhand tactics uh, are being or can be used in order to stop you going against these services. Um, I know with one particular service that this has happened to an educational psychologist so many times in that area that they have stopped working independently because every time they went up against a service something happened and their complaints have been made constantly against this therapist, this this educational psychologist, that they stopped doing it. Um, Within this particular area, and I cover the whole of the UK, um, this is the one area that I I'm not in a position where we're able to um, attend mediation and work out a negotiated package for a family. They tend to go to tribunal. Um, and if they don't go to tribunal, then the local authority will concede. But it's, I never have an opportunity to speak to the speech therapy service. It is very locked down. It's very difficult to work with um, a particular, this particular service. And 
I'm all for SLTs in the same team um, in terms of we're all working together and I celebrate how we work together on a very regular basis but for some services it's very difficult as independent therapists to work um, work together with that service and they are somewhat absent on social media um, and despite that um, and this was my this was the one of the again the whole of the profession to, to bring the profession to disrepute was the worst allegation from a personal perspective because of my love for the profession but being accused of being dishonest and someone going through thousands and thousands of tweets um, and pinpointing a point and comparing that with a CV I I was I'm, I'm, I'm just I don't know I it blows me away someone's got that amount of time within their working day in in stretch services to be able to do that um, and then to follow up on HCPC emails about this about these particular tweets um, for me they were they had they had an issue um, because I was going up against them and I, again I, I don't we don't lose in tribunal um, we have the evidence on our side in terms of whether children need a program training therapy assessments um, the type of placement they need to be in as a team we have all the evidence um, and it's very very rare that we would lose a case and these across all the different teams that I work with because 95% of of um, EHCP and statement tribunals are, for, are, for, are found to be in favour of the parents um, so it is very rare to lose and this service I was um, and again, I, hit, I mean, I, I'm told off using the words "win or lose," but um, it was we were found to have been correct by the judge and the expert panel members on the vast majority of cases. And I think I've there's on three cases in the total I've ever done that um, we didn't get the speech therapy in three. And from that perspective, I've done 278 or 279 or 280. I can't remember how many it is now um, this year alone, and we're just kind of going into the middle of November so um, again if you're a HCPC registered clinician um, be mindful of what anything you're putting out on social media and how it could be construed because this is is so so important that you're careful because if you are put into a position where there is proof that you have not told the truth it is a serious allegation and you can be struck off for that um, thankfully again with the whole complaint there was no case to answer um, and it was in a sense closed off um, but at the same time um, it was the most anxiety provoking horrible t- um, time of my life um, which I'm hoping I don't have to go through something that, like that ever again I won't wish that against anybody right Enjoy the rest of your days, everybody. Let's be positive. I've got 165 miles left, and we find out about a mortgage hopefully today. Um, the valuation of the house was yesterday um, with a different mortgage provider. They seem to be on the ball. Um, our sellers um, haven't kind of told us that they want they, they're not selling anymore. Um, Where we're still being completely positive. We've had so many knockbacks for four months of, of trying to get in this particular house. We actually put an offer in the house. I think it's seven months ago and they accepted the offer. We've lost two buyers, we've lost one mortgage, we've completed on our house and now we're in the position of hopefully completing um, ASAP but subject to a conversation with me and the underwriter today um, which I think is more of a kind of money laundering conversation um, and the, the, proceed, the, the deposit for our house is based on the sale of our previous house so um, the, 
I broke a sense it should be a home run. But fingers crossed, everybody, please. Right, everybody take care, and thank you again for all the support that I've had. Thank you. Bye.